good morning. Uh, just a wonderful opportunity that I get to preach today. And I was just sharing with Pastor Mike, and we were singing, and I'm like, well, why don't I just, you know, maybe do one of my old messages from Florida and just kind of go with it. And so I said, yeah, let's, let's rock and roll. So I'm thankful. I'm grateful. Bear with me if my preaching skills are a little, got to brush off some dust a little bit, but I am going to let the Lord work through me in the way that he wants to speak through me to you all this morning. So uh, I'm going to read our scripture uh, this morning. You can pull it up in your phone or your Bible to kind of look through as we go through the message, but I wanted to take a minute and read it first. So this is Hebrews uh, chapter 4. This is verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Would you bow our heads and pray with me before we get started? Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, what a wonderful morning we get to just come and be with your people. Lord, we know that we are your church. Lord, we come here to this building to worship you. It is a building, Lord, and we call it church, but we are your church. Father, and we pray that you would just speak to us supernaturally, Lord, today, Father, because your word is living and active, Lord, and you, you share with us, uh, Father, through your word, uh, through your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Father, I pray that uh, I, would, I would get out of my own way and I would let you speak in and through me, Jesus. Um, pray for everyone today and that they would hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All righty, so I wanted to start this morning by sharing a little story, kind of a dad story, um, from my perspective as well as my dad's perspective. <laughs> so... <laughs> So when I was in uh, middle school, when I was younger, I danced, I sang, and I did theater, which uh, some of you know, and then I also did the sports side of things. So at school, it was a little interesting, just kind of the groups that I would or wouldn't fit into. Um, so kind of got made fun a little bit, you know, a fair, fair amount uh, from time to time. And when I was younger, it was just kind of hard on me, and I'd come home, and I'd share it with my dad, and he would be there for me, and he would see what I was going through, see my hurt, and he would feel hurt as well. I could kind of feel that. But he would also share with me that it's going to be okay, and that he has been there, and he was there, and he can understand and somewhat empathize with, with what I was going through. And now on my side, with our boys, Jacob and Luke, I can feel the same way and do the same things. I can be there for them and communicate that I care for them and I love them. Um, and my graciousness to them, as well as my dad's graciousness to me, it made me feel good. It uh, made me feel loved. And my dad was my helper, and I pray that I have been a helper to my boys as well. And so everyone in their life from time to time needs someone that can help them like this. But have you ever noticed that when this person helps you, that they only kind of can help you so much. 
They can only help you to a certain degree or it lasts for only so long. <clears throat> Whatever the situation, as I mentioned, they can only completely empathize to a certain degree because they haven't been walking through exactly what you have been walking through in your shoes. And so today, we're going to talk about someone that can perfectly empathize with you, whatever the situation, whatever's going on. And as we looked at today, his name is Jesus, the one we worship and we praise and we give all glory. Our provider, our creator, and our perfect high priest, which we'll explain a little bit. <clears throat> so in my talk this morning, I'll explain what it means to, for Jesus to be our high priest and how that reality creates space for us to examine where our hearts are with him. And so my goal is, I'll use this analogy at the beginning and I'll come back to it at the end. I want this today to be Jesus, to be the only hook that you lay your hat on. No other hooks, one hat, one hook. So before we dive in, uh, it's important that we kind of give some background to the scene that we have here in Hebrews, just to kind of a little understanding, some foundation, so that we can jump in there. The book of Hebrews was written to warn and to encourage. After hearing about Jesus, the people that the book of Hebrews was written to, they began to change their way of life to align it with him. Their overflow of their desire for Jesus it changed their life for the better. But due to this change, they were being persecuted and the writer was urging them to not turn away but rather to see the goodness that they have found in Jesus and press hard into pursuing him. Now, this uh, people, these people uh, that the book of Hebrews was written to, they knew the Old Testament really well. And so because of this, the writer, he used examples specifically from the Old Testament to communicate to them Jesus' greatness. So he used Moses and how, Moses was gr how Jesus was greater than Moses. And they used, he used the Old Testament priesthood and how Jesus was greater than the Old Testament priesthood. So these were only a types, the things that they knew about from the Old Testament that were now fulfilled and found in Jesus. So the writer, he didn't beat around the bush, but he went right to the point to defend Jesus' greatness over everything. Now, kind of moving back to chapter 3, the writer urged the Hebrews to not be like their ancestors who failed to enter God rest, God's rest due to their lack of faith. But hold fast their confession in Jesus since nothing is hidden from him. Examine their heart to see where they're at with Christ. So this long exhortation kind of ends where we started reading today where he is encouraging them to draw near to his throne with confidence where we can find grace and mercy to help in our time of need. And so this leads me to the first point that I want to share with you this morning. If we are to truly find rest in this life, you must know that Jesus alone is your perfect helper. So now that we've set the scene for the context, the foundation, I just want to unpack a little bit what it means for Jesus to be our great high priest. I know in the past couple uh, sermon series, we have talked about this and dove deep into it, but I would just want to brush up a little bit so that we can get some understanding for where we're going. So in the Old Testament, uh, each year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies 
to symbolically atone for the sins of the people. So the Holy of Holies was this place inside the tabernacle. It was a room inside of a room, and there was a veil. And this is where the Ark of the Covenant stood and was where God's presence would appear. And in Leviticus 16, we learn that before doing so, the priest, before making sacrifice for his people, he had to himself make an offering for sin. And once he entered the Holy of Holies, he could only be there so long, just enough time to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat of the ark and to get out. So this picture is a picture of a mediator between God and his people, the high priest. So he would come in every year and do this process over and over and over again to symbolically atone for the people's sin. But this process was never ending because no one at that time could be the perfect mediator. So where, you ask, does Jesus fit into this? He completed this never-ending process. He entered the most holy place on our behalf, paid the price for sin, and once and for all paid that price for those who would believe. So therefore, our personal access now is open to God because of Jesus. Jesus made a way for each of us to come personally to him. No longer is an earthly mediator needed. We can come directly to God's throne with confidence. So we also see in this passage some empathy, right? That Jesus is able to empathize with our weaknesses. Similarly, a type, a picture in the Old Testament the high priests could deal gently and empathize with their people because they too were subject to the same weakness and sin. Yet Jesus, when he came to earth, he humbled himself, was subjected to everything we go through, and did not sin, making him the perfect sacrifice for us, the great high priest and our perfect, perfect, completely perfect helper. Therefore, in light of who Jesus is and what he's done, we can rest in the truth that he understands everything we go through. Now, going back to my story, when I was talking about my dad and him being a helper to me as well as me being a helper to my boys, was there someone that came to your mind that has been a helper for you personally? Think about that for just a minute and let us kind of narrow those parameters just, just a little bit. So go from a person to potentially something. So what, not who, potentially do you look to when you need help in life's trials, temptations, struggles, rough times? What does our culture tell you? They tell you to maybe get another book. They tell you to potentially look at this app, or go to a conference, or you're only going through this trial because in some way you haven't been able to figure it out yourself, or you're not thinking positive enough, right? Or, unfortunately, you haven't done the right things, or, and why would a, go, why would a good God, excuse me, allow this to happen, right? I've heard that a fair amount of times. Have you ever heard that? Why would a good 
gracious, loving God allow this to happen? So, I'm not saying specifically that this self-help, these things that are tools to help us improve our lives are necessarily bad things. I'm not. But what happens when these things are working and positively helping your life and then everything comes crashing down? See, we as Christians, as well as people as a whole, are not promised that everything is going to be okay, a bed of roses. No one is. This world is broken. And as we can see from day to day in this world, things are fallen. Things are broken. And they've all been affected from the fall through sin. And our culture tells us that potentially things could be different. But through Scripture, we're told that we shouldn't be surprised by trials. So the Apostle Peter here, I'm going to bring up this verse, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Right? So it's like, huh, these things are happening, this is odd, this is odd, but Peter's saying, no, it's not odd. Do not be surprised. To varying degrees, everyone has gone through different trials and life struggles. And so it is definitely a doubt, definitely without a doubt, that these trials will happen to you. But let me explain where the joy and comfort come in the midst of this. Through the tough times in life, we grow more like Jesus. Through the tough times in life, we grow closer to him. Through the tough times, we actually can rejoice in sufferings. From Romans 5, 3 through 5, not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So I'm going to share a personal story here. Um, put a little photo up. And I hope that this is... Uh, I'll just have it up there for a minute if it's maybe hard for some people to see. Um, but if some of you don't know, this uh, was Nicole and I's beautiful son, Noah. And I was hoping that I won't cry today. Um, he is now with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So this was uh, right after he was born. Um, Noah, we found out, had a congenital heart defect uh, in the womb. And we... We're talking with doctors about how things would go and we kind of thought that we had a plan in place to make him survive and continue to be here with us that it was just going to be a little bit different that he maybe wouldn't be a an athlete or a um, track star in in the olympics but he was going to be here with us and it was be good and get through some surgeries and and always was going to be all right so obviously that was shocking for us to hear and so when he was born um a number of things kind of changed and were different. And it, as day by day went by, um, we could kind of see the, the light at the end of the tunnel uh, kind of fading away for his life. Um, and he did, uh, he did end up passing away. Uh, he, was, he was around for a month. Um, and he passed in our arms 
on October 23rd, uh, 2020. And it was probably, if not the hardest thing, probably the hardest thing for us to go through. But I would say this. God used that suffering in our lives for something so much greater that we still don't even understand. He is giving us glimpses of that. He's giving us pictures of that. He gave us pictures of that, and we prayed for that. And we clung to him for strength and for help. And that kind of joy was a different kind of joy than you think of within culture. Happy and singing and and just joyously just bubbling out, right? The joy that he gives in trials and sufferings like that is unexplainable is unexplainable and he gave us that and he showed us pictures of what he is doing in and through Noah's life and now that he is in heaven with Jesus. It's incredible. And I wanted to point to one thing that he, the Lord allowed me to see through his word in our trials. You know, my love and my care for Noah The fact that that was a picture of God's love and care for his son, Jesus, and the pain that he felt when his son, Jesus, went to the cross for us was mind-blowing to me. Obviously, not to the degree that God felt for his son, Jesus on the cross, paying the penalty for all the sins of those who would believe in him, but to some degree, that understanding that he did that for me, he did that for you, is incredible. And I hope that me communicating that in the suffering that we went through, you would understand and be able to grasp the great love of God through Christ. And so God did not even spare his own son. So will we not also suffer from varying degrees? And does your suffering draw you closer to Jesus, to his feet for help, and to produce a stronger relationship with him? This is why our passage is so awesome and so weighty this morning. For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with us. For he walked through the gamut of what we experienced and took it all on his shoulders. Often we give in to idols or things that we believe might help us get through, help us get along to that next day. And we turn away from the greatest and perfect helper, the only one that can truly help us with what we're going through. And I love this verse, and some of you may know it very well. We have a God that uses everything for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Everything. So... When I started uh, preparing for this message, I read an article in Christianity Today um, it's by Kevin P. Emmert, and I just thought this quote was really cool, and then there's an analogy after it that I wanted to share with you that helps put words uh, to suffering. Suffering is not something that we want to avoid. Rather, we want to pass through it, for it is a key means of experience deeper union with Christ. The twists and turns of life aren't obstacles to God's plan for our lives, but necessary steps to get there. So as I mentioned in this article, he uses an illustration like a skydiving illustration. 
that I thought was, was cool. So kind of walk with me here for a minute as I explain. Has anybody ever been skydiving? Yeah, oh, two, three. Wow, that's awesome. That's fantastic. I don't know if I could ever go skydiving. I, I'm just not sure. I'm sure it would be thrilling and amazing and incredible. I just, I'm not personally sure I could do it. And so this, this story, he explained that for people that do it for the first time, um, that you kind of like sign a bunch of papers and you're essentially like signing your life away before you go up in the air to go skydiving. So you sign all these papers and you get up there and these people are kind of attached to your back as you jump out and are telling you how to move your arms potentially and move and shake and when to pull the parachute and they're walking you through everything as you're falling. And I thought this was kind of neat and interesting analogy because how do they know all of these things? Because they've done it multiple, multiple, multiple times and it's just kind of smooth for them. Use that, I think you may see where I'm going, use that and apply it to our lives in Jesus. So much greater than just skydiving analogy that Jesus is with us, our helper. Why? Because he's been through it all. He knows the rope. He's already seen the movie. Knows what happens at the end. In fact, he's the one that wrote the movie. He started it and he made the movie. So we sign our lives away to Jesus when we put our faith in him. But he doesn't let us jump out of the airplane alone. He's strapped to our back as we fall from the airplane of life to the ground. In the second point of my message today, I would like to give you some practical examples of how we can find rest, true rest in life. Some ways to kind of take these large concepts, these things that are really hard to grasp, but amazing to grasp and put some practical applications to it. Taking our relationship with the Lord as, as Jesus did with his father when he was on earth. Point number two, in order to truly find rest in life, you must draw near to our help, perfect helper, Jesus. So in our text, the writer of Hebrews is saying to the people, so I know it's been rough. You came to Christ. You've been having trouble, persecutions. I know it's been rough. Hard to leave what you know. That is the rituals and traditions, regulations of the Old Testament. But don't lose heart. Don't turn away. Because Jesus is greater than all of that. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Our greatest high priest who made the perfect, costly sacrifice. Therefore, hold fast that confession of faith and draw near to God's throne. Keep diving into your walk with Christ because we're always in need of God's mercy and grace. So two things, no matter where we are with Jesus today, this gospel truth that Jesus is our greatest and perfect helper has incredible implications and I'd like to share two with you this morning. Number one, throughout your life and especially when times are tough, you must be committed to relying on Jesus and not yourself. Has there ever been a time, think about it, where you have tried to be Superman or Superwoman in a situation only to find your Superwoman or Superman's strength wasn't enough to fight the battles of life? I heard this uh, in the past, and I like to call it kind of like bootstrap theology, right? 
Maybe some of you have heard that. When life gets tough, when the going gets rough, just pull up your bootstraps and get through it. Get through it on your own, right? But I'm not saying that getting through trials and getting through tough times doesn't take action on our part to fight the battles of life, but I am saying that these battles should draw us to the one who can help us. We cannot only rely on ourselves or certain self-help rituals, things that culture may communicate to us. They can help us, but not the only thing. And we must confidently commit to relying on Jesus. This is a commitment to come before his throne in prayer, a commitment to know him through his word. Just before our verses today in chapter 4, the writer talks about how God's word is living and breathing. Living. Like, think about that. And the fact that the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of us and can help us. That's always mind-boggling to me, and when I get lost in the weeds, I try to remember that. Jesus from the dead, that spirit in me. Wow. So this is committing to come before God's throne to receive mercy. During those times, doing those things, truly relying and committing to Christ. Because of God's abounding love for his people through Jesus, we receive this grace that knows no boundaries. We receive a grace that continually washes onto the shores of our hearts, even in the roughest times of life. So my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would give you eyes to look at your heart this morning, that he may reveal to you where you try to go it alone in the situations of life, where you avoid the continual precious access that we now have to God's throne of grace through Jesus, our high priest. Even as Jesus, before he went to the cross, what did he do? He went to his father. He went to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, help me, Lord, Take this cup away from me, but not my will, thy will. And it is absolutely about reliance, 100%. Our culture doesn't necessarily want us to think that, but we should rely on Christ in our relationship with him. A second implication I'd like to share with you from our text this morning is hearing about the good news of Jesus being your perfect helper should lead you to examine your commitment to him. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. In other words, he's saying, Since you have heard the gospel of Jesus and you understood it, please be careful. Don't drift away from the secure anchor that you have in Christ to the dock. Don't just pass by that dock of salvation once you've heard it but securely fasten yourself to the truth of who Jesus is. Don't just stay where you are in your understanding about Jesus, but completely go all in. Lest you drift away from the harbor due to the waves and the winds of life. So these warnings allow us to examine our relationship with him. It's not something to take lightly, and I don't take communicating this message to you today lightly. For when you hear about Jesus and you understand who Jesus is, there's not a special ticket that you get that exempts you from having to secure your boat to that dock, 
to grow and to long and to pursue him. But that understanding is a call to action, a call to respond. It's a call to dive deep and examine the motives of your heart. To examine each day where you are with him. So going back to our text in Hebrews, the Hebrews were looking at abandoning, at doing this, abandoning their faith, abandoning what they have heard about Jesus because of the persecution they were facing. They were letting the circumstances of their life dictate their response to faith. They were looking to go back to where they were before meeting Jesus. And looking at this, as I mentioned, following Christ is not an easy road. But the unrivaled foundation of him, foundation in him, does not compare to the shifting circumstances of life. So if today, like in the scripture, if today you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts. Rather, with confidence, draw near to God's throne to receive mercy. Come all the way to his throne. Don't stop right at the entrance to the most holy of holy places, right at that veil, but go all the way in. Because that veil that blocked the entrance was torn in Christ. You have personal access to the Lord. I want to just back up here for just a minute and just to communicate possibly a misunderstanding, not what I'm saying today, because I want to be absolutely clear. You absolutely still can have questions in your faith, in your walk. And as you grow, there will be questions, and that is good and productive. However, over time, you have to make decisions on what you've learned and what you've heard. Take a next step those next steps each and every day. Because I always like this verse, like Paul says, um, 2 Timothy, he says, don't always be learning, but never able to come to knowledge, to a full knowledge of the truth. 2 Timothy, uh, verse, chapter 3, verse 7. You have to go at some point from needing milk, which can nourish a little one, to needing solid food that will nourish an adult. Simply, once you have heard the good news of Christ, fully commit to growing in Him in every area of your life. And those are ups and downs, I know personally. But each and every day, take another step. Peter also says that after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will Himself restore confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Going back now, kind of as we wrap things up, to a little hat analogy, maybe it was a little strange in the beginning, but coming back to it now. Hook on a hat. Everyone kind of has a favorite hat. I'm not too much of a hat person. My dad's a hat person. But I still have that favorite hat. Maybe if it's not a hat, if it's something that is very valuable to you, right? You have a place that you put it. Come home, if it's a hat, you put it somewhere. If it's something else, you kind of have a place that you put it so you know where it is when you need to go back to it, right? But let's say, for instance, you go to find that certain thing and you didn't place it where it should be, the place that you had for it. Potentially, maybe not even being able to find it. What happens when we leave that thing somewhere? 
and then we can't find it. Harder to find the next time. Maybe misplaced. Now, the truth we're talking about today is simple to grasp, but not always as easy to apply in life. So I'd like to read our text one more time today before we close. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So Jesus is our greatest and perfect helper. He is the only one that we can and must ever hang our hat on. When we're in need of mercy, hang our hat on the hook of Jesus. When we're in need of grace, we hang our hat on the hook of Jesus. Because Jesus, our great high priest, he understands what we go through. He is the once and all done to tell us die, it is finished on the cross, once and all sacrifice for sin. So we can come before God's throne with confidence. Hold fast your confession. So as we remove to response this morning, uh, I do hope that my talk has allowed you to rest in what Jesus has done and motivate you to take action where you need to in your faith with him. Because a little, bit for you can, a little bit before, you can read it maybe later. In chapter 4, it talks about how we are all fully exposed before God. Not one heart motive or desire or want or need, anything in all creation is hidden from his sight. Nothing. So what action is the Lord calling you to today? Have you been trying to go it alone when things get rough instead of drawing near to Jesus for help? Or have you heard the good news of Jesus and not fully committed your heart to him for help? Now, I'm going to share something with, uh, we used to do this at Restoration and the church that I served at in Florida. We would say at, at the end, what is Jesus saying to you and what are you going to do about it? thought I'd share that because I thought it's cool. Jesus in his grace, he communicates to us and we have the ability, volitionally, him working through us to take that next step. So, what are you going to do about what Jesus said to you today? Please pray with me. Father, um, I don't take lightly being up here this morning. It's been some time since I've been able to share your word and what you've put on my heart with your people. And I pray, Lord, that today everyone here was able to, not just here, excuse me, but also online, was able to hear specifically what you were saying to them. Lord, that um, if in any way, Lord, there was something that I said that didn't hit someone right, Lord, may you mold and shape and transform that so that they may hear it what you want to hear. They may hear what you want them to hear, Lord. That you make, make our hearts soft and responsive to your grace and your mercy. 
Lord, and that you may lead us in the walk and the path that we should go that you want for us to be lights in the darkness in this world, Lord, so that people may come to the knowledge of your son, Jesus. Pray for this weekend that people would be safe and that people would be able to celebrate, as we talked about earlier, or the freedom that we have in this country, that you would give us good times, good conversations, glorifying to you, Lord, and that we may go about our weeks into the second part of this year to just praise you. In Jesus' name, I lift these things up to you. Amen.